because I was like driving into work. Uh, I was going to buy some coffee and I always get in trouble for buying like really expensive coffee. So is, is there a thing that when you have that excess money floating around that you spend it on? You know what I mean? Like I always got to get the best coffee, cheap coffee, not for me. What's the thing that you got to spend that little extra money on? Oh boy. No, I have to get in my soapbox for a second and say, I support you. And I don't think that coffee is an extravagant expense. Exactly. I get that inflation has made it expensive, but I'm just yeah. saying you just deserve it. It's, it's a requirement. Expense. It's a requirement. Exactly. It's a requirement. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Coffee is probably mine as well. Um, I uh, worked in a roastery during college. And so uh, the snobbery was built right in. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a choice and it's continued. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with a good dessert. I'll say that. I think if you can get a premium, like even uh, just simplified to say a premium, like ice cream or something to that regard, that's got some, uh, quality to it. I'll pay extra for that. Coffee's good, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, not, not to be redundant. I'll, I'll go with the I'll go yeah. with the dessert treat yeah. category. Nice. I what like that you? coffee dessert, and then mine's more of like I really like purses, so I would buy like a really fancy purse. Yeah, for me, but that's great. Now you're getting to the high end stuff. That's yeah. all. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, hey, we didn't specify that... how much extra money. We just said right? we had extra yeah. money. Yeah, that's, that's right? true. That's true. Which uh, which reminds me that books go on this list as well with the amount I have on my to be read list. Yeah. Those are also not an extravagance. A necessity. It's just like necessity. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't buy a lot of things. Hello, my name is Kelsey and I'm a shopaholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a bad question for Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, maybe I shouldn't answer that one. But Tara, no, I 100%. I agree with you, Wallace. Purses, maybe not, because I carry everything in my hands, like the evolved human that I am with small pockets. But sweaters, living in Minnesota, oh, yeah. if I have extra money, you can never have too many sweaters. The limit does not exist. That's True awesome. Story. Cars, if we're going to go oh, to yeah. the I Saturday thought you were going to say cars. I was Keep gonna going. That. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> or like chocolate for me, too. Good high-end chocolate. Oh, so good. Fun. Well, today on our Tech for Business podcast. Tough to be podcast, a Tesla. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. We're, we're talking about budgets. We're talking about budgets. We're talking about money. Um, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about um, hopefully how you can use your budget um, wisely, but something that we think, if you ever have a little extra money, should be spending it on, which is your IT. Um, Tara, Kelsey, and I are joined by Kyle, our president and CEO, and Matthew, our VC So, And when it comes to budgeting for IT, where where do you even start? Where where do you begin? I can I can do the kind of the start and just kind of the general topic side and we run into this with many cases talking to organization is they, they usually don't have a, an existing pretense of how much of their you know percent of their revenue side of that should really be set aside for technology and there's a number of different studies out there i mean industry average on general non-regulated organizations is about three percent um 
again, that's just a very standard number side of it. So again, the amount that you'd set aside could vary depending on the size and, and revenue of the organization. You get into healthcare and other regulatory sides of it, um, and Matthew you can chime in on side if I remember all these numbers right, but you know, around seven, eight percent, you know, it's a much bigger number. Um, just because of the amount of technology for compliance and regulatory reasons um, side of it. So you got kind of those general percentage numbers. And obviously it'll vary in between. Um, the real world that I run into when talking more organizations, it's it's whatever they've been doing in the past. You know, so <laughs> it's it's just a repeating of the general past or whatever then they're told that they have to do, you know, whether it's from a regulatory of of the you know, because of the industry, again, that they're in or of a, of a supported vendor or customer of theirs that they are regulated now because they're regulated, you know, they're part of the overall food chain uh, as, you, as you would for, for their supplier um, or, or customer that they're trying to work with. So, you know, there's then all of a sudden their budget changes and they're scrambling a little bit because it's, it's more of a reactionary spend on those cases. Um, we would generally advocate, you know, again, to get in that proactive side of it to, you know, ad adhere to just some general planning side of that. And planning is usually that that first step to to make the spend at least more predictable side of that. And then at simple level, it's hardware refresh, looking at your workstations, servers and component sides and saying, I'm going to replace, you know, typically we'd advocate that your workstations would be about a five year usable life as well as your server sides of those. So just plan one fifth of your workstations be replaced every year. Um, and then your servers every five years, if you have multiple servers, stagger them, you know, so you don't have it all refreshed at one time if possible. Um, if you're in multiple servers, sometimes you have the actual hardware versus the software virtual servers. So there's a little more logistics to it, but the general uh, name of the game there is try to spread the expenditures out, but you know they're coming, so you can plan in advance, and and you know what your annual subscriptions are and so forth. So predictability um, is is a big part of the game to keep the costs in check, so you're not surprised by a twenty thousand dollar expenditure that you weren't planning on. That's that's for sure we try to avoid because those are painful. Yeah, I mean I everything agree I agree with everything you've said there, Carl. It's it's all about you know in what have you been spending previously and why have you been spending it right we can look at what they spent a year two years three years and generally obviously my i we work with a lot of nonprofits, and i've had experience previously there does tend to be a little bit of less awareness of maybe exactly what's in place in the the smaller nonprofits. um though it's easy to lose track of what you have everywhere so my my recommendation is is kind of tying in with what with what Carl said. Make sure you know every piece of technology you have, and then make that definition of how long you're going to have before you replace it. And your budget is based around that process. Uh, if you're doing this at that level and you're doing it with your computers being under uh, under warranty and then your servers being under warranty, the replacement of those devices often is going to fall under having the part replaced if it's breaking early or fully replacing the device so it's under warranty again. It significantly decreases your unexpected costs. And unexpected versus expected costs is exactly what the budget comes down to. You can't be consistent if you aren't aware or expecting anything to go wrong. 
And that's the other thing that I tend to see is that there's this kind of hope of it's working now, it'll keep working. <laughs> and we can't we can't do that. <laughs> that's that's yeah. where it gets a little dangerous. Yeah, the the days when your server is ten years old is, uh, you know, that that can be a very expensive replacement. Why you avoided some expenditure sides of it, it can be very painful when it's unplanned. And uh, you know, labor is typically when deploying new solutions is one of your most expensive components. That'll far exceed the actual cost of the uh, what you're acquiring in a lot of cases. Sides of that, so anything you do that's planned and organized can be far, far cheaper. And um, so, so whatever you can get in a proactive stance and align your budget properly side of it and just plan accordingly is going to definitely help control your overall IT costs. Um, reactionary is just very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. There's the amount of the amount of extra cost that goes into getting something deployed same day, next day, within a week so that you can keep operating is exponentially bigger than the amount to say, oh, we have to be down for a week because of a big change. You yes. can plan ahead for it. You you aren't having to cancel appointments that were scheduled or cancel things that were already in place. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the biggest part is trying to be proactive versus trying to be reactive about it. Trying to not just plan, but also say, we know this is going to happen or we know that something will occur and you can plan for unexpected events in a similar way of what will we do if something breaks that we're not expecting to break? Should we have a spare on hand? Should we have um, a second location we can go to? I'm on instantly falling into the incident response side of things and I need to stop that. <laughs> but <laughs> um, there's there's so many things that can go wrong and you know that's where I, I tend to live uh, with the work that I do. But when you're planning for that budget, you can have those thoughts because you've already covered the basics of wait, which machines are the most important? Like, does our if if our director's uh, laptop dies, is that more critical than the one that we tend to print from in the office? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and those same 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 replacement policies and and putting together that that budget, not even putting together a budget, I think. Putting together just an asset list, um, putting together a a data location list, putting together a software list. This goes in with with what you said before, Kyle, about once you have those things, you can say, well, this software costs X amount a year. This hardware needs to be replaced every five years. Uh, this data is in a location that we need to move because we don't like where it is right now or we want to put it in the cloud eventually. That asset list um, as as well as being a huge compliance requirement for basically every compliance that can run through my head when I'm saying this is where I personally start when I'm talking about budgets. Um, I know it gets a little bit more granular and there's ways to do it that are quicker. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like for me, at least that list is where I go before I begin to have that conversation, because otherwise I'm I mean, there's there's too many unknowns. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's just, yeah, it's really just organizing, getting all organized so you can actually, um, you know, assess where you need to go with it. Because that that planning is is just so paramount side. You know, it kind of lends in when we talk about the nonprofit side. You know, one area is we discuss with many nonprofits because obviously, you know, the dollars are 
are, are limited typically, you know, they, they need to be very cognitive of the spend side with it. And they don't always have necessarily the consistency of a revenue stream because they're not necessarily selling anything. They rely on grants and other things, um, you know, programs from Microsoft and Google and these vendors, they have nonprofit programs with nonprofit licensing that's very, you know, very cost effective side of it. And many of them, for example, you talk about, you know, understanding your data location, you know, you can leverage the cloud, you know, file storage systems on their sides and now eliminate the spend of, say, an on-premise file server, which then also, you know, opens up, you know, better security and better functionality side of it. But many organizations, again, just haven't taken that stop to plan that side. Once you know, then now you can leverage and now you're that one spend with that lower cost licensing side, you just leverage it even further. And you, you get into these packages like 365 and those other components. There's so many tools and services there that can replace what you're probably paying for in another aspect. So you're, you're kind of having that extra spend that you can ultimately eliminate. So now you're now you're just that much more efficient as well. So that lowers your IT spend. Yeah, I, I mean, I had that exact conversation with a, a friend who came to me for some advice not too long ago. Uh, their current IT was recommending that they replace their entire service system, update their entire local network. They they had uh, completely disconnected buildings, and so they were going to have to get some site-to-site um, uh, VPNs. V, no, it was uh, I'm forgetting the term, which is great. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, radio signal uh, Wi-Fi connections. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like a wireless uh, just, bridge. A wireless bridge, that's the one. Yes, they were, uh, they're quite remote um, to make sure that they had the full LAN and the other locations. And they had internet at every building. They didn't need that. And I recommended they just look into what would happen if they moved everything up to their Office 365 environment that they already had. Um, we were nearing a six-figure save on their expenditure when it came to hardware, deployment costs, training costs for their staff, because it's important to keep that in mind when you're changing your environment as well. It was a, a big saving for them, all because they their current IT just didn't really have someone in place to have that conversation for them, uh, which I think for me is, is kind of a large part of this as well. Uh, generally, you maybe have someone on site, maybe you do have an internal IT person, um, but they're they're good with the the hands-on side of things, right? They're good with making the computers run again, making sure the network's up, fixing the internet if it's broken. Maybe they're they're fantastic with the software you use as well, right? They're they're significantly saving you money. But the business side of things, how that works for the organization, is such a different mindset. Um, I can still remember the moment that uh, my an, an old CEO said to me and like pointed that difference out and I felt my brain break a little bit <laughs> as I went from thinking like an engineer to thinking like someone who was like like business minded in that way um and and that that is where I think we see the most of this cost savings coming from because if you aren't planning ahead if you've got someone who is just fixing things as they break you can't have that planning in place because you're not thinking about an upfront cost to save money in the future. It's more about trying to keep those costs low total, which makes sense until something breaks and you're still spending the money you would have spent before. Uh, spent before, and it will break. 
I think is what it comes down to. There's, there's no way to avoid that. Yeah, and it, it'll break at the worst possible time. Too. It, <laughs> it, it, it generally, it, it just will. Um, you know, the other the other aspect side when you talk about when you're talking about your situation and going to 365 with the data side of it. You know, the other cost and the other benefit side is when you talk about your in, your your incident side, your like a, a you know a disaster recovery, any kind of those other sides, the cost of backup and those other things that that also, you know, are areas that are probably not addressed in many cases, but should be. So now if you don't, if you know, if you try to address it and you haven't embraced some of these other types of services side, now you got those additional costs coming in. So, you know, now do you get the benefits of simplifying your infrastructure side of it. Now you enable other capabilities you just didn't flat out have um, that would even cost you more. So there's, there's, there's multiple rewards, but again, it all comes back to really understanding first, you know, where, where you're, where you're at. And then, then you can make much better planning decisions and that extra time up front, you know, will really pay a lot of dividends versus the, you know, being on the, I always call that technology treadmill. It just kind of feels like you just kind of just continuously just replacing what we're doing. And you tend to run with the methodology. Well, it's working. We don't have a lot of challenges or problems. So we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, where at some point there is a, there's a benefit to stop and pause and, and assess just because technology changes so fast that uh, we were having the conversation the other day that if you're replacing a server that's, you know, five years old, and now you're going to put another one in. That's now you're talking about a 10-year span between those two. 10 years in our field is is a is a lifetime, you know. So, you know, you really I think have to reassess holistically how you're leveraging your technology before you make that next five-year spend. Because at the end of that five years, it's probably not going to be the right solution if you're replacing a lot of cases. Or you may not want to just do like for like. You may want to start embracing other aspects of certain cloud technologies, other areas where you potentially outsource other ways where maybe make a partial spend there now and start looking at some other ways so you start making steps in the right direction. But again, can't do that unless you stop and take a holistic planning session and really say, how are we using technology? What do we really need it to do? What what else is out there? Is there a better way to handle this? And uh, and I know you'd love talking about the cybersecurity risks and all the others that definitely come into those into those conversations that you just need to find ways to mitigate risk, quite honestly. And, and technology now needs to be part of the conversation because legacy IT, if we call it that, on just having systems on site and doing those things, there's there's a lot of risk footprint there that you may want to assess that you don't want to have, you know, going forward. Yeah. And you've... Uh... You reminded me of something from a, a previous <laughs> uh, previous organization. Um, basically, there was a, a an organization, a nonprofit, we were coming in to assist, and we found out during our assessment that they were they had someone who was assisting them, and basically volunteering for them as their IT um, was a full uh, network administrator for a, a large organization nearby. And they were basically, when their servers were being replaced, they were providing these servers to the 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 replacement ones to the nonprofit for free as a way of allowing them to kind of upgrade their hardware consistently. Um, very kind of them, really nice. 
Uh, one of the things that we found from that, though, was that the hardware that was being replaced and put in was continuing to run the software uh, or the operating system that was in use previously. Um, which meant that the software they were getting, the OS they were getting, was at minimum five years old. Uh, and on top of that, the technician that was offering their time, while a fantastic technician from everything I've seen, did have a proclivity for older server versions. So this, this occurred in around 2017, I want to say, 2018, and they were running server 2008 which at that time already we knew was not doing very well. <laughs> so we're instantly in a position where we need to have a conversation around, hey, there's a lot of security flaws in this version. At the very least, you need to upgrade to revision two, which they hadn't done. Um, and then on top of that, we need to talk about what security features you don't have in place and what you need to have in place. And that was just at a I've opened this computer up and can see exactly what it's running, and that fills me with dread. <laughs> I hadn't run any scans. I hadn't done any security checks yet. I was just afraid. Uh, that is something that you can't be aware of if you're if it's not really a priority. Um, and I know that it seems like it's not. You've got a situation in place that's working for you. These things are happening. But having that kind of, you know, a new set of eyes come in and review it at any time is always good. Uh, it's also a kind of, it's a necessity. Wow, I'm really struggling today. It's a necessity of <laughs> a lot of uh, the compliance world uh, that you have third-party assessments, vulnerability scans run. Uh, these types of things are, to be honest, expensive. Um, if you have those compliance requirements, you'll know, and you, you should be meeting them. But they are something that can be planned for and mitigated. Um, one of the things I used to offer clients when when they were when I was working as a technician was a basic rundown of the software they were using, and then comparing it with what I knew from everything I saw every day working for an MSP with what the most up to date and current version of the software on the market was. And often we'd find that someone was still running Sage two thousand and eight, <laughs> which uh is great and did its job but also isn't as helpful as it could be now um and then we see <laughs> solutions like quickbooks cloud um maybe it's not the right solution for you but there is definitely places where it's a fantastic solution and significantly cuts down on what you need in office right in the same way that moving to office 365 can uh reviewing that is not something like like you said kyle that many nonprofits do because if it's working, we want it to keep working. Yeah, that yeah, it's just not it's not a priority side with it. Yeah, I use the analogy with um, with a customer situation the other day side with it was around the you know the wellness check at, at a doctor. Just because you know you go we all go to the doctor periodically or we should you do you do a wellness check just because even though you feel okay there may still be some something that you need to address or be aware of. So you go in and have the, talk to the doctor and they do some additional scans and whatnot to determine side of it. And they may say, hey, you need to cut your cholesterol is high or things you can't see, but could definitely turn into a, a big, much bigger problem if you don't address. And that's similar to your bringing in a third party assessment or review side of it and just getting a periodic review or opinion side of it, because even though your old software, your old servers may be running fine now, 
that, that doesn't mean that you're not putting yourself in a situation for, you know, a very unexpected event. And that that's really what we're trying to advocate for, because then it gets back to that reactionary side of how painful and the timing of that is never going to be ideal. It's not going to be going into a long weekend. It's going to be when you need to, you know, run if, if you're in a manufacturer it's going to it's going to affect your production it's going to affect the productivity of all your workers you're going to you know there's it's going to be you know a very unpleasant situation it's going to be expensive just because emergency dispatch fees and you're going to have to make reactionary spends which again get really expensive and probably at the end of the day you don't put you in the best situation when you come out of it either you're probably no better off than you were when it all started because you're just trying to recover so there's just all kinds of reasons to say is there why it, it appears on the surface to be saving money? It's really not, um, you know, and you may get, I hate to use the term lucky, but you could get lucky and not have the problem, but the likelihood, the odds are not in your favor. Um, and they become less and less in the cybersecurity world just because every any vulnerability seems to be on display across, across networks now. So they tend to get exploited. If they're there, they will be. So, you, you know, it's just become too far too simple for them to do it. So you know, that's why we're so strongly advocating against, you know, putting in things that just have a, a large risk footprint to them. It's, just, it's, it's not worth the impact of the business. And I tend to see that often where, again, we have tech, uh, technicians that are part of the organization side of it, do great jobs with supporting the users. They're connected. They run the application sides of it. But unfortunately, in many situations, they put value into, you know, saving $5 on a monitor or, you know, buying, you know, refurbished or used, you know, desktops because they're saved them $75 a desktop. So they tend to devalue uh, labor and time. And they also tend to have some disconnect on the business impact side of that to productivity and, and the cost of labor if that is not working. So we've come into situations where, you know, that they've replaced the workstations, but they're replacing them to your point with five-year-old workstations. So, you know, what was now a 10-year-old got replaced with five-year-old. So yeah, they're five years newer, but they're still by all practical purposes, slower by modern standards and users' productivity is affected by it. And the users are tend to be upset because it's slow. It's tend to be underpowered by modern standards with it. And all that was looked at by the person making the purchase decision was somebody who valued themselves by saving, you know, again, $75 a desktop. Well, you know, that $75 gets lost on a daily basis in productivity. <laughs> so the multiplier <laughs> is pretty huge in what it usually winds up being. So, you know, unfortunately, there, it's not all places, of course, but, you know, we see those scenarios. So it's, that's where you know the business owners need to be and the and the C levels need to be at least involved in our stand and say, you know, I, I don't want you to cut, you know, costs. I want predictability and I want equated value, but I'm you know, I'm not gonna reward you on trying to cut corners on the on the cost, because that isn't necessarily gonna give you the the lowest cost IT. You know, that's just not part of the equation. Yeah. There's there's a lot to be said for that, uh, and I, I say the classic IT trope, um, which is that person who can fix anything that's kind of given to them and does, you know, work for the organization and, and resolve that. And that is a fantastic skill to have. Um, 
But one thing that I think has been true ever since IT started is that the role of IT was always partially undervalued. On top of that, it was definitely underexplored in terms of what the scope of it was. Uh, and we see this now with what it's become. Um, we don't just have a uh, service technician trying to do everything. We have service technicians and we have our network administrators and we have our cabling team and we have the security side of things, which alone is four different departments. Um, it's one person trying to do all that means that they are either overextending themselves or probably not able to dig in as deeply on some of these things as they they may want to or or could be able to if they had more time to really focus on it. And I think that's where those types of mistakes get made. Uh, trying to save $5 here because you think that's going to be more useful than replacing it with one that's long term comes from having that technical side of things rather than the business minded side of things. Uh, I, I still remember a manufacturing organization that I was working with um, where I advocated harder than I ever have before for them to replace their workstations, which at the time were just a hodgepodge of whatever they'd been able to pick up. Um, I found machines that would meet the minimum requirements for all of their software uh, and got the owner to upgrade his machine only to begin with. Uh, by the end of his first week with that machine, uh, they'd ordered brand new machines for everyone on the executive team. Uh, by the end of that second of the week, they had their machines. We were replacing every single workstation in the business. And like you said, Kyle, it's productivity. You're kind of, if you're using these machines that are five years old, it may take you five, 10 seconds a click to get to something. And everyone's just accepted that, but it doesn't have to be. If everyone's saving a set, like down to a second or half a second just to get something done on a server because it is finally running at the speed it's recommended to be running at, you're saving hours a day <laughs> yeah. and you can't see it until you try it. And until you have that, that perspective of the way I sold it was to say, well, here's how quickly my machine can do it. Uh, <laughs> and just seeing that yeah. distinction was enough for him to say, let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that productivity measurement is, is huge. Again, it kind of gets lost in the, and just focusing on just the technology application alone saying well we'll run well there's a difference between running and running right <laughs> you know so that's definitely the running optimal for the business side of that and there's a different um spend so you know typically when we're looking at it we recommend you know find the right size device for the for the organization side you probably have a few multiples depending on the type of business work that they do um and then you know Set aside a X amount of budget. Say you have some $2,500 machines, you have some $1,500 machines, you may have some $4,500 machines, a couple of those for your power users, sides of those. But you know, create your budget. You know how many you're going to have every year, and uh, you know when it's only one fifth of your desktops or endpoint side of it, it tends to be a very manageable spend, and you spread that over the course of that year, even so quarter over quarter over quarter. You know, not only are you spreading those costs outside of it, you're also um, you know, you're you're lessening the impact of the organization because you only have one fifth of the of the workforce is being impacted by a hardware replacement cycle side of that. So your productivity lot, you know, because you will have some productivity impact while their machines are being replaced. Um, 
well, I say the technology is getting much better. Seed net's been minimized, but there's still some. Um, and while well, it keeps, if you, you know, when you have on-site IT or partner side, you know, calls to the support desk after the migration is is limited as well because you got a much smaller subset. So there's a lot of reasons to to, to advocate and do that. But now it's predictable. Um, everything's current and um, tends to be support is more far more reliable as Matthew was mentioning on the warranty side of that. You got the newer hardware again; it's not as much wear and tear. Um, so just a lot of good reasons, and it ultimately will lower your IT spend. Um, and the only other thing I was going to add on the internal side that we see this come up from time to time is the use of just open source or free software side of that. And I know that tends to be um, attractive in a lot of cases. And why I love technology and I love I love Linux and I love a lot of those things. It's not something I generally I would advocate for to put in production. And the main reason why is that it tends to be built by the now the person who built it has all the knowledge. And you're relying on that individual now for your sole line of support. And if that individual is on vacation, unavailable, it, you're just very limited in your support access, which will ultimately impact the business in a negative way. So whether, you know, if you're looking at open source phone systems or firewalls or servers, of those things, it's just, you can't put an SLA around it. You don't have a commercial support line to go to, to you know, I would uh, advocate against it in a commercial environment. I, I think it's great for learning. I think it's great for um, you know personal use side of that to experience with technology side of that. And you tend to see those open sources get integrated into commercial applications. And when you do, and you have a commercial support line with with a vendor line and a guaranteed SLA with with live support, then I think having that in a commercial environment is 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 where you want to be. But without that. Um, I would strongly caution businesses to to reconsider because um, why it seems like a low cost upfront, the, the impact of the business again can affect the productivity in a huge negative way. Yeah, uh, I I feel that the uh, the times I most often see open source or you know those those custom solutions in place, it's because of that kind of undervaluing of IT I, again. The uh, the person who implemented it said, I can do that for cheaper than this commercial solution that does the same thing. Uh, yeah. And then they do it without documenting it. Obviously, sometimes they do, not calling anyone out. Um, but generally, it's it tends to be less documented than you'd hope um, if that person was away. Uh, and I think that kind of ties in with the last thing I wanted to add as well, which is that one of the things I, I learned when I was getting into the the net side of the network side of things was that a lot of the organizations I've worked with, and this is obviously not true of everyone, it was just true of, of some of the organizations I worked with, really thought of themselves as X type of organization who has computers. Despite the fact their computers did every part of their job for them, they, they didn't use paper anymore. It was everything is documented on the computer. And at that point, you are at least partially a technology company. And you need to treat that technology the same way you treat every part of the business. Um, it needs to be as important because if they fail, you're losing that productivity. You're losing bottom line every minute that that machine's down. When it comes to the nonprofits, I think that that is in in from again, it's different for everyone. But if that's something that seems to resonate with you, then think about how it is that the organization views itself. 
are you a nonprofit that supports XYZ and then also has to have computers? Or are you a nonprofit that uses computers to complete your mission? And if that's the case, and, and most likely it is, make sure that you're giving it the same priority you give other things that help you com complete the mission, like your other employees, like the business, uh, like the building that you have. Um, every part of that process is just as important. Uh, and that, in those times when I've seen that shift occur, it has very quickly changed the way that I've been out of supply uh, the best value because we're no longer arguing about, I want to say the little things of, you know, a $5 here or there, because we're talking about long-term goals to make sure that the organization is the best it can be to meet that mission. Yeah, I think that's very well said. I think that's probably a good way to, yeah. to, to wind it up. I think very well said. I think that take some time and recognize the value and, and, take in the soft costs, if you would, is a, is a big part of the equation. Yeah, I think the longevity of your um, company, your nonprofit, your business is important to remember when considering your, your IT and everything you're putting into that. So, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kyle and Matthew, for joining yeah. us today. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, comment. If you have a question or a topic, if you want to hear more about budgeting and um, sort of the admin side of IT, please reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website at cit-net.com slash podcast.